Excuse me. I thought I covered it. Surpassing Jesus. Today, John 4, one of the greatest texts, I think, in all of Scripture. Uh, a connection that changes an entire village. Before we, before we dig in and roll up our sleeves and talk about that event and how that connects in our world in 2019, knocking on the door of 2020, Len, uh, after the service day, there will be a second of two conversational conversations, congregational conversations, uh, the second of two. And I'd like to just, a quick show of hands, if you're going to plan on going to that, would you just show me if you're planning on doing that? Okay, good. I think we're going to meet in the library. So the, right after the service, shake hands, greet some folks, get something warm or cool to drink, and we'll be, we'll be in the library uh, for that as well. One other announcement in terms of the life of the congregation. This is for those of you who are members and consider this place as members your primary place of worship. On October 27th, uh, we have called a meeting by the session here in the worship center at the conclusion of worship to receive and act upon the report of the nominating committee for the election of elders and deacons to the class of 2022 and to approve, and if the way be made forward, an associate pastor of Community Outreach Nominating Committee. So I invite you to both of those things today in preparation for that, and then, of course, again on the 27th. So let's talk about surpassing Jesus, and let's read the text first this morning. John 4, the woman at the well, Mindy re reflected on it earlier in in her children's time, but let's, let's take a look and see this text. Now, he had to go through Samaria, he being Jesus, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, it was about the sixth hour, noon of day, hot sun, no clouds, it wasn't Seattle. He sat down by the well, it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, notice, it wasn't an imperative, it was a question. He engaged this connection with a question, not a statement. Will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. I don't know if you know this or not, but sociologists tell us you can really engage someone quickly in a conversation if you ask them to do something for you. Jesus employed that methodology really quite well. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew, wait a minute, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. I don't know. Are there people that we don't associate with? Rhetorical question. I want to ease everyone. Make them feel comfortable. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with. And the well is very deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who, is, 
who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water from the well, you'll be thirsty again, trust me. But whoever drinks the water I give them, the water that comes from me, you will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life, Zoe life, life in all of its fullness and flourishing. The woman said to him, Sir, <laughs> like every single one of us probably would say, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and leave and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. She replied, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you're now, you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in the city of Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews, namely me. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in the truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, here comes the money line, I, the One speaking to you, I am He. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Him, they urged Him to stay with them. And He stayed two days. And because of His words, check this out, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said, now we have heard for ourselves and that we know, we know this man really is the Savior of the world. The reading of God's holy word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we do worship you this day in spirit and truth. Not our own preferences, but you and you alone. Give us courage and wisdom to hear your words, to act upon them, to learn how to make connections that may in fact 
change an entire village. Hear our prayers. In your name we pray. Amen. Now I want you to think about something. Hi, guys. I want you to think about something. What if right now Jesus, and I am not he, walked down the center aisle, <laughs> came into this place and said, hey, church, hey, PPC, I, I have one mission and only one mission for you. Make connections in your neighborhood that will transform the whole village. That's the mission. That's the task. That's the call. Let's have a little fun here for a few moments. This is a conversational style this morning. What would you suggest as a community we engage in? Non-rhetorical question. What would we innovate to fulfill that one primary mission and call? Okay, we would have, I'm going to repeat this, we would have some kind of a relationship with our neighbors. Southern California is notorious, I'm just quoting, for not having significant relationships with our neighbors. Yeah, we might go out at noon in the heat of the day to meet people. What else? What else might we endeavor to be and do in response to that one call to action to ministry and mission. Okay, boldness. Boldness to reach out to the need that we see in the village, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Did you hear all? Did you all hear that? I'll condense it a little bit. She was at the park yesterday and got into a conversation with some people. And at the end of the conversation, these other folks asked Betty and who she was with if they could pray for her. They discovered she was from a church, Betty and Al. That, that Betty and Al discovered they were from another church practicing their skills of just connecting with folks and learning how to pray with and for them. Anything else? What kind of innovations? Yeah, Sadie. Okay, meeting people where they're at. Social media could, in fact, be a platform to, in fact, do that. What else? Yeah, Denise. Uh, anything that engages 
Anything outside of the, f I don't know how many walls are in here, more than, more than four, outside of the six or eight or ten walls in this room, anything that allows us to connect with children in the neighborhood in particular. Yeah, good. What else? Is there a common theme in the, in the responses thus far? I hear one. Connections. And a second common theme. Where do those connections occur? Not here. Outside the walls. Not here doesn't happen here. It happens out there. Just like Jesus and the woman at the well. I think any community, any church community, can make connections that change a whole area, an entire village, a township, an opportunity zone. With And I'm going to give us an acronym this morning, and I'm going to call it with this one simple edit in the way we do ministry. Okay? It's coming right out of the text. And I'm going to still need you to help me the rest of the morning. Does that sound fair? Now, before we dig into this edit, it's really fascinating to understand that the Barna, the Barna Group, who does a lot of surveys in church communities around the country, said this recently. On average, it takes 85 Christian people working together for one entire year for one person to have a significant spiritual encounter with the God of Scriptures. Eighty-five people working one year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten. This whole side and part of this side. Eighty-five people working together just so that the Holy Spirit can do the thing that the Holy Spirit does. Kind of fascinating, isn't it? Truly? All right, you want to hear about an edit? Because I think we can make connections that could, in fact, change and transform an entire village. And I've posed it in the form of a question. What would we encourage and let's go right back to the text. What did we see in the text, especially early on, that we would want to encourage as we are mobilized and sent out of this place? What would we encourage? How would we equip you and me to go? Yeah, Tim. This thing in my hand? I find that a lot of people um, try to be somebody that they're not. You know, you can just invite a group of people over for a barbecue and, and just be who you are, and they will see Christ through you. You don't have to give them a sermon every time. Right. You know, you, that'll draw them closer. Good. Yeah, we don't see. Now go back to the text. Jesus. Watch Jesus. What did Jesus do? He asked a question. We want to encourage good questions, right? Did he give a sermon? Did he make an imperative? Not really. Especially in that initial connection. He asked good questions. Oh, I think we should encourage each other to learn to ask good questions. Not just of each other, 
but of other folks out there in the community. And it's fascinating to note that Jesus met this woman at a well in the middle of the day. We want to encourage us to get out of this place and to learn to ask some good, good questions. It's not rainbow hair guy time holding up John 3.16 signs. Right? That's not what's happening. So Jesus, in this text, is encouraging us to go out, to be sent, to excavate and exegete the community, to go where folks are. Now let's break down a little bit about what we know about the Samaritan woman. What do we know about this Samaritan woman? We got some hints and guesses from it in the text that I read, but what else do we know cumulatively? Five husbands. Living with somebody. So there's stuff going on, right? And she got honest about it. She got honest about it. And because of those kinds of behaviors, why did she go to the well at noon? Nobody else was there. And why would that be important to her? She was being judged. I don't know about you, but I'm not going to show up anywhere where I know people are talking bad about me. If somebody's talking smack about me, do I want to go there? I'm certainly not going to go to a well. Do I want to go to a church when people are talking smack about me? That would, that would never happen. Right? Samaritans and Jews were bitter enemies. And yet, and it's one of my favorite turns of phrases in all of Scripture, and yet, and yet, Jesus goes in the middle of the day to talk to a woman who had been judged and thin-sliced and there was all kinds of gossip about her and he engaged her with good questions in honest relationship. Not a bad start. We kind of want to encourage that kind of behavior. What, what are the wells? Where are the wells in our immediate neighborhoods and context? Our village. Where are they? What are they? Gas stations. Starbucks. Ka-ching. Workplace. What's that? Soup kitchen. Yeah. So we have a few well locations, don't we? There's a lot more. But we've certainly got a few well locations. I'd encourage us to find a lot more. Find more well locations where Samaritan folk hang out and put your opined opinions to the side and just show up and ask good questions. The power of the text. The power of the story to transform. So, in making connections that transfer a change in an entire village, E of edit, we want to encourage that kind of thing. So, D, let's talk about what do we want to delete. We've named a few of them already, but let's, let's put a specific name to it. What would we, if we were given this charge today by Jesus, what would we want to delete? I, I'm sorry, my microphone's breaking up. What do, what's that? Judgment. Judgment, thank you. Us versus them. Judgment. Thin slicing people, making determinations before we know someone. 
Actually, refrain from making determinations, period. Seeing people as mixed, which is a Samaritan. Gospel moment here. Jesus did not see any of those things in this woman he met at the well. He saw a human being created in in the image of God. And he met her on her own terms and became the hands and feet of God. All right, let's talk about the eye of edit. So we've talked about what we want encouraged. We've talked about what we would like to delete. Right? Let's talk about the eye. What, what, would we, what might we consider innovating? I like that word, innovate. What might be an innovation or two? What's that? We could worship in other places, out in parks. Sure. Who says we have to stay in here? Not that this is a bad place. We can do other things that we normally do in a church here somewhere else. Bible studies in neighborhoods. Bible studies in coffee shops. We don't have to do Bible studies in a church. We don't even really have to worship in a church. We decided that. Human beings... God didn't sanction that. God sanctioned in this text, we worship in spirit and truth wherever we are gathered together. It's never about a building. It's always about out there, somewhere, a well. Eh? What are other innovations? Yes, hand in the back. And we do have an amazing campus and facility. How might we share it in a way that the whole village is transformed? Right. See how this text begins to churn and generate different ideas? By one simple ask by Jesus, which I'm going to argue soon, if not right now, is the only thing God asks through Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, of any single church. To build connections that have the possibility of changing an entire village. Everything else might be white noise. Lynn, you had your hand up. Hey, that's a great idea. Organize a block party just to get to know folks. I know a couple people who have done that. Why not all of us? And just ask questions. Period. Just get to know people. You get the idea? All right. Uh, T. The T of edit. So we know we want to encourage folks. Uh, We know we want to ask good questions. We know we want to delete judgment. We know we want to delete thin slicing. We know we want to delete our opinions about people we don't know, which is a lot easier said than done. We know that we've got a few ideas on how to do this to innovate. And the whole point of the text was through this one connection Jesus had with an outside woman, (laughs) 
Not only was her life turned around, but so was an entire Samaritan, non-Jewish group of outsiders transformed. What? You mean all this God talk isn't just for church people? You mean the whole point of this whole God talk thing is it so everyone can experience this? That's what the text seems to imply. So then we get to ask ourselves, what does the T look like? What does transformation actually look like in a village that experiences connections like this? Anyone? What does transformation look like? Yeah, relationships that bring life. Not just to you and me and you and me and you and me, but to everyone we encounter out there. Transformation means change. Somebody said the C word. Different. Renewal. Reconciliation. Restoration. One of the songs we sang, I jotted down the lyrics. I've seen you, God, move mountains and make a way. I'll see you do it again. Every church... Needs to have a few mountains moved for a new way to come forth. God does it all through the centuries. And we'll see God do it again. This church has a history of doing that. Later this afternoon, about 4 to 7 o'clock at night, there's going to be a gathering of people who 30 years ago did something bold. They bought a house over there. Didn't know what they were going to use it for. Bought a house for 300 and some thousand dollars. Didn't know how they were going to use it. I kind of wanted to be there when they did that. I'm told it was a really bold move. I'm told there were some folks that didn't like it and they left the church. I'm, I've been told other things too, but I'll just keep it at that. <laughs> and then they decided, let's, let's build a homeless shelter. And then let's get a, have another building and we'll do that. Against all odds. Against all judgment. They did it. And what's cool about that is today we get to stand on the shoulders of those folks that actually did that and say, thank you, friends. Two generations, maybe three generations ago, people got bold and they did something innovative and some of us didn't like it and laughed and protested and withheld and you know all that kind of fun stuff that 
you kind of don't think church people really do, but they, they actually do. And here we are 30 years later, and it's still going. And it's being launched even in its own right into a new way of transforming an entire village. About the same time, 30 years ago, this church did something else. And I, uh, let's put that slide back up that was up there with Ron. They bought a bunch of property in Vizcaino, and they, people from this church uh, drew up the plans for that, that building. Drew the plans up. Bob Turner personally built the trusses, and I'm guessing you helped. That's a huge building. I've seen it. I didn't count how many trusses there were, but it would have taken more than a week. To plant a city on a hill, a light for a village that cannot and will not be hidden. It's transforming the neighborhood. And now we're in this exciting new phase, as Ron talked about, of self-sustainability. So I, I really invite you to come out on November 10th. Spend $35 a ticket, and by the way, call to action. You can go outside to the patio and Barbara Lent, who rose her hand, raised her hand earlier. Can I get you to do it again? Thank you for not being asleep. <laughs> Barb's going to be out there selling tickets, $35 each. Buy a table worth and invite friends. Every cent of that $35 is going to the cost. Everything's been donated. Everything, including the food, has been donated. I've seen the menu. It's going to be good. Self-sustainability, the next phase of ministry and mission. It's a time to celebrate. It's a time to say thank you. It's a time to recognize God's faithfulness in building wells all over the world. Whether it's a well in the biblical story called Jacob, whether it's a well in Placentia called PPC Church, whether it's a well next door called His House, Homeless Intervention Services of Orange County, whether it's a church in Vizcaino, whether it's a nonprofit that works and exists in the neighborhood called Solidarity or Camino Immigration Services, these are all means in which God uses to get us out to make connections. Because, friends, those connections don't just change one person's life, they change the life of an entire community. Be inspired. Give God praise. Let's pray and say thanks. God, loving, holy, triune God. Your son's connection with a woman at the well changes her life her family's life, 
and an entire village. And yet all around the world, 2.4 billion people have the opportunity to go to the well. To be used by you as a purveyor and a connector and a convener of the love, of the grace, of the forgiveness, of the justice, of the mercy, of the compassion, and of the peace of God available to all people. What an inspiring mission that is. Thank you for the call to be about that. In your strong name we pray.